Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another PT Pearl. Thanks for listening. And again, we are talking about SI joint pain or sacroiliac joint pain, dysfunction, instability, whatever you've heard or been yeah. diagnosed with. We're going to talk about it. So what the heck is a sacroiliac? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is the SI? <laughs> so the SI joint, the sacral part or the sacrum is that thing right at the bottom of your spine. Like right at the bottom of your vertebrae, your spine come down and then boom, they hit this big old sacrum, right? And it's basically like our last vertebrae and they're all fused together, but they're supposed to be. On the sides, they have these big iliac crests and these big iliacus bones that attach into the sacrum. And that's where we see this SI joint. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's like, think of it like where your hips meet your tailbone. That's kind of like the easiest way mm -hmm. to kind of think about it. And, and so at that very low, low back, right? If we're like, it's not quite in my low back, it's like a little yeah. bit lower than where my spine feels like it is. That is usually where people can pinpoint those symptoms of pain that they're experiencing. Yeah. One of the most common things or something that I learned, I think in PT school is if someone can reach around to their back and point on it with one finger, they're like, oh, it's sacroiliac pain is kind of in our group of what we might be thinking, especially if it's on those little knobby things right on the back of your hip. It's like, that's pretty localized to where the SI joint is. So SI pain. <laughs> yeah. And when we're looking at the prevalence in low back pain, um, SI joint is actually appears like 16 to 35% of time in all low back pain experiences. So mm. even if you're experiencing like low back pain, this is still, so, or you've, you've, kind of experienced it in the past, this is still something to pay attention to, especially because it does get diagnosed so often. Yeah. And the thing about diagnosing it, it's kind of funny, like how we test it is we basically just do things to irritate it, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, okay, let's squeeze your hip bones and see if you feel some pain or pressure back there. Let's push those hip bones apart to see if you feel some pain or pressure back there. And basically we develop these clusters of tests that help test for SI joint pain. And they've been shown to be pretty valid that when they're positive, there is SI pain or like that's a positive diagnosis of SI pain, which again, basically just tells us, hey, you got pain in your SI joint. Exactly. <laughs> I press on it. You got pain. Okay. You got SI pain. Like what the heck does that tell us? Exactly. And so what we've been told or what patients have been told, what you might've been told a lot is that that equates to damage. And there's mm -hmm. been something that's happened there or it's unstable or it's, or it's not moving enough. It's yeah. stuck. All of these different things. So we really want to dive into that today because it is it could be honestly the worst prognosis for how you will actually get better if that is in your head um, that you are you know, your SI is out, <laughs> yeah. your SI is unstable, your mm. SI is um, what is stuck, the other yeah. one that you said. I mean, all of these things that we hear all the time. Totally. And I mean, again, that just puts certain things in our mind, but like the SI joint is literally one of the most stable things in our body. Like our pelvis is built because it literally houses the organs that help us reproduce as humans. <laughs> like it's one of the most important places on our body other than our thoracic rib cage with our heart and our head with our brain. Like 
This is another one right here. So that thing is so stable and it's really, really hard to get out of place. Mm -hmm. And what we were looking into the research is generally it's not something structurally or damage wise that's happening to the SI joint or it's not as much out of place. But we're finding that it's very hypersensitive due to some things that have been happening to it to that point in life. <laughs> exactly. So when you are diagnosed with SI pain, just know that that means that you have sensitivity around your SI and we get to detect more within mm -hmm. your entire life <laughs> why this could be happening, not just that it indicates damage. So don't think pain in indicates damage, pain indicates sensitivity. And I think that's really important. And like Dom said, the movement that we have available at that joint is 0.3 millimeters. That's how much it moves, yeah. 0.3 millimeters. <laughs> it's like degrees. You know, the, the sacrum is supposed to, on that big ili iliac joint, is supposed to just slightly tilt back and forth. That usually happens when we like extend and flex our back. But again, such minimal movement. And so these terms that providers like to throw at people saying, oh, it's un or it's stuck. So we need to get it moving. You know, that's generally where a lot of therapists or chiros or whatever will sell somebody on their treatment. Like, oh, I'm going to do this technique to you to get your SI joint moving because it's stuck. <laughs> right. But then right after that, sometimes they'll say what? Well, and then right after that, you have these exercises that you need more core stability. And yeah. it's like, it's such a mi mixed message if you actually think about it. Like, you're telling me it's stuck. You need to do these adjustments, manipulations, and mobilizations to my sacroiliac joint yeah. to get it moving. But yet, you're going to give me home exercises that help increase my stability. So, how is that really working together? And how does that even make sense? And one of the research that we looked at that talked about are treat like treatments that could be effective and whatnot, specifically within physical therapy, right? Yeah. They were talking about how, and this is something that makes us cringe a little bit. Yeah, I didn't know we were going to bring this one up. Whether or not, but I, I feel like it's valuable to talk about it because it of what it does, actually. It is. It is. And it talked about how manual therapy and manipulation can be one of the more effective things to reduce SI joint pain, right? And where people sell that it's, getting you moving or it's getting that SI joint moving, what is actually happening more so is we get an analgesic effect, meaning we get a reduction in pain due to our own brain sending signals down saying, oh, hey, let's have less pain down there. So it actually reduces that sensitivity of the SI joint. It doesn't get it moving <laughs> or if it does 0.3 millimeters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so, so, so minimal. So it's not necessarily the fix. And, and if it was like, why the moment that you step off the table and you go back into your regular life? Does it what? revert back to that sensitivity? Exactly. It's not. I mean, this is so similar. If you guys missed the episode that we did on hips, un uneven pelvis or yeah. uneven hips, um, uh, rotated pelvis, all that kind of stuff. Like these are all similar diagnoses that don't mean anything. They literally don't tell you anything. They're not really real because we can't just look at a rotated pelvis and determine anything. I mean, whatever, yeah. go back and listen to that <laughs> podcast. But at the same time, it's like, it's the same thing. If you're being diagnosed with SI pain and then you just need that manipulation or adjustment over and over and over again to help relieve that pain, we need to be looking at other things that could yeah. promote the same type of pain relief. So I'll disagree with you, not in a bad way, but when you said <laughs> 
these diagnoses don't mean anything around the hips, right? They're all very similar. Like the one thing that they all are telling us is that something around the hips and pelvis is not quite in balance for our bodies and that we can start to maybe do something differently to help that area feel differences when we're moving functionally and stuff. Which is just like to get it to feel different. Because remember, we, we talk about we talk about function over structure. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for st- things to structurally look identical mm-hmm. or one hip to look the same as the other hip. We are looking for it to function well. So Yeah, totally. So if somebody does have SI pain, what would we recommend they start to explore? Yeah. So the first thing that I think needs to be the most important is that we have to decrease the fear of movement. Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing. I remember... I was on a, a woman's retreat and one of the girls, I worked with her a little bit, very little, but because she said that she's had 10 years of SI pain because she has been told that it is out. So because my SI is out, I can't work out. I can't, like it hurts to get up in the morning. It hurts to do all these movements. Well, I did barely anything with her to get her to respond differently within her body. It wasn't what I was doing with my hands and already she was out of pain. Already she was able to move. She was able to do Mm -hmm. things that she didn't think she was able to. So decreasing the fear, like, again, we're going to repeat this over and over again, because I think it's so important for you to hear and know your SI is not out. It's not possible. Like it, what does that even mean? What, what is out? You know, in very extreme circumstances, it's like very traumatic injuries that would cause something like that to happen. So, um, generally what we're trying to do is reduce that sensitivity, right? So the things that we have under our control, like if we're looking at doing it without any outside help or anything, the things under our control are exercise, exercise and activation of muscles is proven to have an analgesic effect, which means our brain is basically sending down our own painkillers to say, hey, we got to calm down because we're going to start using this differently. We're going to start supporting this area differently and integrating it with the movements of the other area, such as the core, which is where we go again to that core stability and breath work, both of which also can have that analgesic effect. Exactly. And just like we say for everything, like if we're just chasing the the pain, we're not really focused on everything else. Like if, mm. if I'm feeling more pain, that could be that I'm not sleeping enough. That could mm. be that I am not, I'm not getting enough water, that I'm putting a lot of inflammatory foods that are sensitive for my own body, not in general, but my own body that is really affecting it. Like all of this, your stressors, your people you're around, your workload, all of this has to do with pain. And especially with exercise, we're trying to get you to move and hopefully move in a way that's a little bit different. And that's why also we're not going to find necessarily research articles and a bunch of research articles that all say, here is the exercise program for SI pain, because there's not one. Yeah. How can we study and do these clinical research studies on every single exercise protocol for every single individual? Like it's not possible. And even if we do have one study that says, hey, this is great for the average person, you know, there are people that will lie a long ways away from that average spot. So again, there's something's going on around the hips and pelvis. That's why we're having this SI joint you know, pain. So why don't we start to explore everything that attaches into exactly. the SI, that attaches into the sacrum, that attaches, yeah, anywhere on the sacrum, which includes a good deal of our abdominal muscles and mm-hmm. our core in general from the back, 
to the front, to the sides. And the pelvis. And the pelvis. And then all, yeah, and the pelvic floor, yes, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Very, very important. And then all of the muscles that cross the hip. If we're not exploring all of those and how they feel side to side, how we feel with those activating in their passive mobility, active mobility, doing functional movements, then we're not doing justice to where we may be putting extra pressure or putting extra sensitivity, extra stimulus that makes our SI joint sensitive. Like, where's that coming from? (laughs) And also, like, how are you even at rest? Like a lot of people, um, we don't look at our foundation and our feet support as well. And a lot of people, when we're in this relaxed position, we tend to put more weight forward toward the toes or toward the balls of the feet. And what that does, it kind of locks out the knees in hyperextension a little bit more and it forces the hips forward. So all of a sudden you have this increased pressure right at that pelvis or the low back area. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes the pelvis can be tucked, which if we have more tucking of the pelvis, like in that posterior tilt, think of tucking that tailbone underneath mm-hmm. you, typically that tends to actually make really tight pelvic floor and then we're trying to do kegels and strengthen around that where really we need to get it to open and relax a little bit more so it's also like it's our it's it goes across the board it's not just how can i activate the muscles around how can i relax where how am i standing how am i moving throughout my day what is my brain and my body normally conditioned to and that's why it's a whole body approach and it's a whole system approach. Yeah, this is a super good episode for us to be doing after we did the the leg length or the hip shift one. I mean, if you haven't listened to that one and you're more interested in this kind of stuff, it'd be a good one to go back and listen to because we do talk about a lot of the same stuff and we might touch on slightly different things that might be more specific to you. So, Mm -hmm. um, but again, going through all those muscles in the pelvis can take a a good while because, you know, the things that attach to the legs, our legs move in all sorts of different planes. So we're not chasing one specific thing here. And that's like the main message. I know you can put the finger on one specific spot, which makes it confusing as to why we would need to have a, such a multi-directional approach. But again, the, the terminology that people have used for so long to, as to how we're going to fix this and how we're going to get rid of that pain because I'm doing this is another, you know, another thing that people are just using language to be able to justify <laughs> the interventions that they do and you know, convince you that it's what's making the difference. Yeah. And as long uh, as well with exercise, we also, we talked so much in the breath one. Yeah. Um, in terms of how you can get that breath to automatically reduce pain, which is literally where I start with every client. Because if I can help yeah. you to turn on those signals to reduce pain yourself without me having to manually do anything or adjust or get that pop, which also the pop and the crack they release endorphins. Yeah. So it makes it feel extra special. Like, ooh, something really moved. Something happened because now I'm like feeling happy yeah. and I'm feeling good. So it's like, go give, give someone a hug and then do some breathing. <laughs> I, the funny thing is the word endorphin itself comes from endogenous, meaning comes from within our body, morphine. Endogenous morphine. So we're <laughs> shooting down our own self-made morphine to like help our body feel nice and awesome and good. And it's not quite like morphine, but it's what our body makes. Mm-hmm. So we respond even better to it. And I'm working with someone right now, actually, who like funny enough, you say, we'll be doing exercise and we'll be doing things and he'll start to get a little irritated, right? And what we do to go right to is these down regulation things with, you know, his heels up on something, laying on his back, 
squeezing into his ribs, feeling his ribs expand and contract, which we've shown plenty of times, either on PT Pearls or otherwise. Um, and without doubt, he'll, he'll start to desensitize that area and be like, okay, it's gone. You know, I'm feeling good now. Maybe let's get back into another set. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just like a message that that first sign of pain isn't a reason to have fear or, you know, intensify yourself because of it. It's your body just talking to you saying like, hey, could you do something to help us calm down a little bit before you might do another set? I love that. I love that so much. And also those activation exercises are in the optimal body. Just Mm -hmm. saying. Um, (laughs) Because we do use them with clients all the time. That's why we give it to you guys. For sure. Um, And I also remember one client that I had. This was like also me taking on my own client when I stepped out of the clinic. This was one of my first, you know, patients and so of someone I really remember and worked a lot with. Yeah. Um, but he was previously going to physical therapist back in New York where he just had this SI pain continuing all the time. Hmm. And he was just told, go to Pilates and do core strengthening. And so he would go to PT, he would get the manipulation, go to Pilates, get that core stability. I mean it was this it was ex- everything that we're talking about, right? And he would feel better for about 20 minutes to one hour and then he would have pain again and that was just the cycle of what he was told over and over again well when i saw him his first assessment when he i'm not kidding like if you're watching on youtube it's be easier to see but when i told him okay can you just bend down and touch your toes like literally his body was was shaking because it was this fear and when telling asking him to lift his arms over his head his arms started shaking so it was his body's fear of Mm. literal movement any Mm. movement and yet you're telling this guy who's already so up and like stressed within his body and his system is heightened like no other you're telling him to just go and do pilates and stabilize even more and make that system even tighter and i was just like we need to pull back the layers of all of that yeah and eventually like he worked with me for a long time because getting that fluidity fluidity of movement back into his system took a while, but oh, it was so beautiful once it did. Yeah, that's good to like point out here because so many people go through that or you see someone coming to your, into your clinic and you're like, okay, have a seat. And they're like just doing whatever they can not to bend their back forward, but mm-hmm. get their butt to the chair. And you're like, hey, can you stand up for me? Try it this way. And you get them to sit down just fine. And it doesn't aggravate their pain. And they're just like, oh, wow, like I didn't. And that's that first moment where it's just like, wow, I was scared of something that I just did and didn't have my symptoms. So once you start empowering somebody to say, let's try this slightly differently, maybe not go, maybe let's not go as far, but let's approach it this way. And if you give them that power to do that movement, that's when we start breaking down those fear barriers, reducing that overall inflammation, bringing down sensitivity right away. And then you throw in breath work. I mean, our pain's already cut in half. So it's like, when we focus on those things right away, rather than smashing into the SI joint and trying to do all our manual stuff and whatnot, we can just create a whole systemic environment in our body that is going to cause that pain to do different things, even once we get into manual or exercise techniques. Exactly. So it's not bad. Like if you're going to someone, you're getting manual treatment. Okay. But please see someone who's also mm-hmm. giving you the tools so that you can reduce your own pain yourself. And you can start to move and feel something different within your body in the end. Thank you again for joining us on yet another 
PT Pearl. We just appreciate you so much. And of course, if you need more visuals for each PT Pearl, they are over at Doc Gen Fit on YouTube. There is a whole section for the PT Pearls from the Optimal Body Podcast that you can use to really see what we're talking about. And don't forget, if you really like this, if you're learning from it, share it out, share it with your community. Tell us what you're learning. Rate and subscribe to the episode because there's going to be so many more goodies and PT pearls along the way. And if you're ready to dive in even deeper, don't forget we have an optimal body membership with an incredible community of movers learning with us and moving in their body. Until next time, thank you again.